0: Egg go, slamming, egg go, slendy, ayy. Hit it up park. Hit it up the park. Hit it with a strike. Hit it with a strike. From the national anthem to the bottom of the night. I'm in Slendy, Egg go, Slendy, Egg go, Slammy, Egg go, 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 go. go, go Slendy, Ay. You already know what's up. What's that another home run? Because you know the job ain't done. till we hold that trophy up. Hey. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 401 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here on a Sunday, Sunday, May 21st, 2023. The San Diego Padres, they dropped another series to the Boston Red Sox, but they were able to get a 7-0 win today, which was good. Uh, Michael Walker pitched really well, and we'll get to that. The offense showed up when it needed to um you know the the runners in scoring position numbers if you look at the box score today wasn't great but hey results based business seven nothing win they won that's what matters i obviously wish that the padres would have took two out of three in this series but they at least won a game you know if they getting swept that would have been really really bad because that would have meant that the padres would have been 20 and 27, I believe, going into the pretty long road trip, going to Knott's Park and then Yankee Stadium, and then I believe Miami to finish off the road trip before coming back home to face off uh, against the Cubs. By the way, Eric Cosmer was DFA'd, so it's not, don't expect the Eric Cosmer return to Peco Park. Uh, I knew that was going to happen. I, I, I thought he was either going to get hurt or he was going to be DFA'd, something was going to happen before the Cubs came to Petco, because there was no way he was going to face that Petco Park crowd uh, again. That, so that's not a surprise. But um, if you want to join the show, I see Justin in here. I'll get to him in a second. Um, you want to join the show, click that link that is pinned up at the top of the chat. You can give your thoughts just in the comments, uh, and I'll go through those here in a little bit. If you want to make sure I get your comment or your question, you can use that Super Chat button. Uh, It sorts it into a different category, makes it easy for me to see your comment, what you have to say. It also supports the channel as well, so I appreciate that. Uh, Quick reminder before we get started here, you can use my code TalkingFriars on SeatGeek for $20 off your order. Again, next homestand, that's not until June, uh, that Cub series. And then you can click that link that is in the description uh, for breaking tea. BreakingTea.com for your great San Diego sports swag. All right, Justin, so we'll kick this off with Justin. He has some thoughts. Thanks so much for joining, man. What's up?
1: Hey, uh, first of all, um, I'm a respective Red Sox fan here, so I just wanted to to congratulate you on the win today. Uh, We (laughs) did not deserve to win this game today. I'm going to be straight out and say we did not deserve to win this game because Corey Kluber sucks.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's uh the Padres got to the Red Sox. Was that, would you say that's their worst starter? That's you guys' worst starter.
1: It's definitely the worst, you know, player since Pablo Sandoval. <laughs> okay.
0: Wow. Okay, yeah. All but right.
1: no, you guys uh you guys definitely deserve this one because seeing how Bogarts has struggled against his former team, I I hate seeing that. I really do. And like I said, I'm, I'm a respected Red Sox fan. Right now I'm watching my damn Celtics lose to the Miami Heat. Yeah. So it's not a good day up here in Boston for us right now. I can tell you that right now.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. But, uh,
0: yeah, you got the series. You got the series. Um, so Boston right now, they're what's the series now going to be? Um, They're going to Anaheim.
1: Okay. Yeah. Next series is – Anaheim they're going, to, they're going to Anaheim and then and then Arizona. So we have to face uh okay. we have to face Trout and then we have to face Gallen on the road. Yeah, uh, yeah, and Otani. Yeah, good luck with that. Thank thankfully we thankfully Otani's not pitching this series. So I'm yeah. I'm happy yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh but I mean the Red Sox, yeah, they're they're you look at the standings, they're in last place. But I mean uh as they, of as of last time I saw it, we were in fourth place of the American. Oh, East. they jumped. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But okay. I'm not. I'm not very confident with this team right now because I think we're going to finish last anyways. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a good division, and I think Padres fans would trade places with you in terms of the record. I think um, so. I think so too. And yes, you're right. At the Yankee Stadium, you guys go to Miami. So. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Yankee Stadium. That's going to be interesting with Tatis,
0: because they're you know the fans obviously they're going to give him a lot
1: of crap, but, uh, we'll see.
0: We'll see. So I will,
1: um, I will say this before I ask you a question. Cause I, I wanted to come on and ask you a question about this Padres team. Yeah. So I will say this, Bogarts, when he was with the Red Sox, he, he always mashes home runs at, at Yankee stadium because of course, you know, Red Sox, Yankees, that's the rivalry. So I don't think anybody in San Diego should be pushing the panic button on Bogarts right now because, like Rob Bradford said, which, by the way, nice ep- great episode, by the way, on, on Thursday. Like Rob Bradford said, he's been dealing with the wrist injury since leaving Boston. So if yeah. anybody has any worries about Bogarts, don't. Don't. I think the worry right now should be Tatis. I think the worry should be um, Soto. I don't think the worry should be Bogarts because he's trying to play his ass off and he's trying to get used to the National League West. I mean... It's kind of hard when a, when a team from the American League goes to the National League and doesn't know how to play the National League very well.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, well, Bogarts, here's the thing. Like, he got off to a really good start. So maybe that's why you're seeing some fans be a little worried about it because they saw the really good start.
1: Yeah, But it's also no, baseball.
0: I, like, he, he's going to go down at some point. Like, he's not, he was not going to go, you know, getting on base every single game Uh, of the season like it's yeah there's going to be ebbs and flows but yeah i'm not worried and i and i
1: definitely and i definitely understand the concern i mean we got justin turner on our team he's played in the national league every single year that he's been with that he's been with the dodgers and he's just coming over to to get used to the american league so i I understand the concern however my my question to you is um if you had to predict this road trip right now i'm not saying that this is i'm not saying that this is going to happen because let, let's be honest, going to Yankee Stadium is not, a t- is not an easy place to play in. Right. But if you had to predict this nine-game road trip, what would you say your uh, record would be coming home to face the Cubs?
0: Yeah, so we go here, road trip. So I just want to break this down before I say the record just for Padres fans here. So they've got a day off tomorrow, three games in Washington, three games in New York, and then it's, what, four games in Miami, I want to say? No, it's uh three. It's three, 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 it's yeah, three, three games three, in three. Miami. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, look, they should take two out of three at least from the Nationals. I hope that they can sweep either the Miami series or the Washington series. Um, Yankee series. I mean, I'm, I'm I want to say they're gonna win it, but the way the team's playing, I'm gonna say that they lose that series. So I'll say
1: six and three at the latest.
0: I mean, I hope, yeah, but I'm <laughs> I'm gonna go five and four, okay, just because how the team's playing. Like, I just don't have a ton of confidence right now in them being able to go like dominate. A, a hey, trip,
1: you know, y- y- you know what? I will say this: five and four is better than zero and six right now. Well, yeah, right, yeah, um, but I am gonna I'm gonna hop off here. I just wanted to come on very quickly and. Just give my thoughts on the Red Sox and the Padres.
0: Yeah, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it, Justin. Have a no good problem. one. No problem. Have
1: a good one. All right.
0: Yeah. So if you want to come on, Padres fans, and give your thoughts, feel free. Again, just click that link that is pinned up in the chat. So I, I'm going to go through this series. Obviously, today's game, yesterday's game, and then Friday's game. We'll start with today's game. Padres won this one seven to nothing. Uh, it look, it was a needed win. Like getting swept, they would have been. 20 and 27, right? Like, that would have been horrible. And there would not have been happy Padres. I'm not saying a ton of Padres fans are happy right now, but it would have been pretty darn bad, especially with the off day tomorrow. It would have been bad if they would have got swept by a Red Sox team that was having arguably their worst starting pitcher on the mound today. And Michael Walker was on the mound for the Padres and Michael Walker is arguably the Padres' best pitcher right now. I mean, today he delivered a great performance. He ends up going six strong innings and didn't give up any runs. Five hits allowed, walked only one guy, and so dating back these last couple starts here, he hasn't given up a run in what thirteen and a third innings. Because he was it thirteen and third, or no? Because I think they took him out right. They they took him. I think it's just 13, 13 innings, no runs. Uh, Because remember, no hit, gave up no hits through seven in his last start. And then first batter he faced in the eighth uh, was that single to right. And then Bomell just took him out. But Walker's been great. I mean, the changeup, the fastball, they've really complemented each other well. And he set up the Padres to go win this game. And it was good that the Padres got out to that early lead. The offense, as I said briefly on my post game reaction outside Petco today, like it was not the most convincing offensive performance. Like they went one for ten with runners in scoring position today. The runners in scoring position thing that is still a problem. It's going to continue being a problem until we can see this team be better. Just simply be better with runners in scoring position consistently. Um, but hey, they got out to the early lead. Yes. kluber stunk there he i don't even think he threw 70 pitches like he got out of there Cora got him out quick uh but they capitalized um yeah there was the walk with the bases loaded but odor like came through uh, odor hit today like it was 2016 20, 2017 and I'm here for it like I, I'm not a, I'm not the biggest fan of rootnet odor and I'm sure there's a lot of Padre's fans watching or listening to this that are not the biggest Rugneto Odor fans either. But with Manny out, like we know he's going to get some a good amount of playing time there at second base if they're going to have Crony play first cuz Kim's going to be at third, Bogie's going to be at short. So Odor's going to have to step up and today was a good sign. He had that big bases clearing and hit there in that first inning. Made it for nothing right out early, like gave Waka some comfort there. And then later in the game, he comes up with another RBI double, double, right? I, b- I believe it was a double. Um, that extended the Padres' lead. So, yeah, uh, that part today, Rugnado Dor was encouraging. Matt Carpenter today, the home run that he hit, he needed that because he – I don't think he has lived up to the expectations so far this season. The DH spot as a whole, really, it's it's kind of been – I don't want to say like really disappointing, but it hasn't been impressive either. So hopefully this can start something for Matt Carpenter, but it's kind of hard to say that as well, because Carpenter and Cruz, like they don't play every day. Like they split time with each other. So is Carpenter going to get in a groove here or is Nelson Cruz going to get in a groove or are they going to have off and on performances just because they're not getting consistent at bats? Like, a regular position player would on a daily basis. Um, but you know, today, like again, they had to the win today, I thought seven nothing. But I feel like I, I was saying this on Friday. I thought they had to win this game after a bad Royal series. And then Saturday they lose Fri after losing Friday. Gotta win this game. They didn't win it. Um you know now they're five games under. It's not like they're 15. You know, they're five games under. But for the expectations that they had, yes, this is this is really bad. Um, just because, I mean, going into the year, there were a lot of experts that were predicting this team to go win the World Series, and they're just not playing like that right now. Um, It's a long season. There's plenty of time left to turn it around, and I still believe in this team. But at the same time, fans, right, we're reactionary. In an 162-game season, we're reacting to what we just saw. And today, Padres fans left happy. But we also see... Well, they just lost this series. They didn't win it. Won today. That's great. But they lost this series. They lost a series against the Royals that they should not have lost. They got embarrassed by the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium. They lost the Twin series. They have not won a series since the Cincinnati series. Nando's first Peco Park game back. That series. At the beginning of May. And we're here on May 21st. That's not what the Padres should be. It should not. They should not have one series win this month, but they're they're just not playing up to the level of expectations right now. And maybe Padres fans' expectations have gone down. um, In a Gaslamp Ball article that I wrote today, or not today, um, last week, just like a poll, like asking fans, so do you think this team's still going to be a playoff team? And 51%, this was before Friday's loss, 51% said yes. So maybe after Friday's loss, uh, it would have been 51% the other way and said no. I think that's just a lot of fans that are just pissed off right now and they're like, yeah, of course this team's not going to make the postseason. Look at the way they're playing. How can they make the postseason like this? They're going one for ten with runners in scoring position. Uh, Manny's hurt. It's just not going to happen. But I think if you you know relax, take a chill pill, look at it from a grander view if that makes sense step back it's a long season I still am choosing to believe in the talent that this team has so I'm definitely in the group that thinks they're still going to be a postseason team um, anything else to go over from today's game I mean Odor yeah had a big game four runs driven in a pitched well Hater came in at the end of the game and did not pitch that great uh, but he, when was the last time they had pitched Let me look at – I'm going to look at my bullpen chart here real quick because I put this out before every game. It feels like Hader hadn't pitched in a while. Yeah, the last game that he pitched, he had four days off. So he had some time off and just wasn't throwing enough strikes. From my seat where I sit in the ballpark with my family's half-season tickets, I, I can't tell. It's not a great view of if it's a strike or not. But it looked like the pitches that he that were missing were outside. Maybe they were high. Anyone that was watching on TV, you can let me know in the chat. But, yeah, not his best day. But I'm not worried about Josh Hader. I'm not going to worry about him when there's definitely bigger issues right now. Like, we got to get to Hader consistently before we worry about Hader if he consistently struggles, right? He can't consistently struggle if he's not getting in the games consistently, right? We got to get to that point. In order to get to that point, The offense has to be better. So a 7-0 win today. And by the way, obviously, this was a series without Manny Machado because he's been out since he got hit on Monday, right, against Kansas City. Uh, And that Kansas City starter, like, could not find the strike zone. And Manny was the guy that got hit, and now he's going to be out. I guess he has a glove on now, and he's throwing, so that's good news. Um, and maybe he'll come back for that Yankee series next weekend. But he acknowledged to the media, like, this is different than the ankle injury because last year's ankle injury was a sprain. This, it's fracture. It's a, it's a small fracture, but it's still a fracture in his hand. And that left hand, there's power that comes through that. You're obviously using your glove and catching with that. So there's a lot of things that probably, probably need – to be tested out for Manny to be coming back and, or just even start baseball activities. I mean, he was telling the media I think on Friday before this Red Sox series started. Yeah. I lift a chair every morning just kind of as a test and couldn't lift a chair at that point. So you knew it was pretty bad. Uh, So Brandon Dixon was called up going into this series, not expecting him to get a ton of playing time. Although he did play the first couple games in this series playing at first base because they wanted crony right they wanted him at second base and they didn't want carpenter and cruz in the lineup together wanted to have one of them on the bench just as a bench bat but you know i'm i'm not the biggest fan of brandon dixon uh, i feel like he's like that 4a player i know there's not a 4a but you know what i mean like not that great for major league baseball but seems like he 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 performs really well at the AAA level just can't really translate that to the big leagues maybe that's just because he's, he's not getting consistent playing time uh but it's not like i really want to see him get consistent playing time to be honest i just don't I, it seems like he's just a a last man on the bench thing uh moving to saturday's game padres lost four to two obviously that was before today's win um musgrove was not his best outing you know The starting pitching this last, what, how long has it been week, week and a half, maybe two weeks. It it, it, it's gotten the Padres offense into some holes. So it's made the offense probably look even worse now, or just made the team as a whole look worse because you're getting down early and it feels like, all right, well, this game's over. That's kind of how it felt last night. I'm sure that's how it felt. I wasn't at the game, uh, but I'm sure that's how it felt inside the ballpark last night. Like, all right, well, got down to an early three-nothing deficit on the Emmanuel Valdez home run in the second inning. Even after Soto homered, it's like, okay, well, what's gonna happen with the is the offense gonna be able to score three runs here to win this game? And even well, technically they would have had to score four because Boston tacked on another run, but it just didn't feel like that was going to happen. They had some opportunities, they went 0 for six with runners in scoring positions, so you combine that uh, the last two games here today and yesterday one for 17 with runners in scoring position, the last two games that like, that is terrible. So yeah, issues are not fixed. I'm just glad they got that win today. Uh, but yeah, 0 for 6 last night, bottom of the fifth, first and second, one out Azocar lined to right. Uh, Nola struck out looking. It was a, Nasty slider from Chris Sale. I mean, good for Red Sox fans, or just good for Chris Sale too. Like, he is back now. So, um, it's been a while. Like, he he had to deal with some injuries, but he's back. Like, he looked really good last night. He went seven innings, gave up two runs, the Tatis, the Soto home runs, but that was it. I mean, he looked really nasty. Three hits, just one walk, struck out eight. And he threw 111 pitches. I mean, Alex Cora let him go. And he got through the seventh pretty easily. So it made Cora's decision look pretty good. Um, But, yeah, Musgrove last night, that that inning where the, the Valdez homer happened, I mean, single, hit by pitch, and then the home run uh, in that inning. So you look at the numbers overall for Musgrove, hasn't been great. But it, I, I kind of view it like the offense. Like I believe in Joe. I've seen what he's done in the Padres uniform the last two seasons, entering this year, and that's a bigger sample size than what he's had so far this season. So I think he's going to turn it around. I mean, look, look at the numbers now: five starts, six seven five ERA. Like uh, that's not good. Again, that's the basic number. Just ERA. That's that's not good. Uh, but at the same time, you got to realize one of those starts was in Mexico City. He's coming back from the from the injuries. I want to give him some more time here. Let's let's see how he looks like at the end of June, and if it's still like this, then we can I think worry more. Uh, but Joe's like he's one of the guys I'm least worried about on this team. I don't worry about Darvish. I don't worry about Musgrove. I don't worry really about Manny. I mean, I'll say that like they have to do better. Like Joe has to do better, but I I don't worry about them because I I just look at the track record. I feel like they're going to turn it around. They're veterans. They know what they're doing. They're leaders. They care about winning. Stuff like that, you know? Um, So if you have any thoughts on Joe, like we can talk about him more, but I'm not going to like freak out about Joe. Uh, I'm just not. So, yeah, they got down last night. They weren't able to come back. The bullpen didn't give up any runs. Garcia, Hill, and Wilson combined for four shutout innings there uh, in the pen. But they had the opportunities. Bottom six. I already talked about the fifth. Bottom six. Kim had that double after the Tatis home run, which was crushed, by the way, into the second deck. Juan Soto's home run, by the way, pretty, pretty swing. You know, when he makes uh, – when, when he really connects um, – where was I? After the Kim double. So, Bogarts lined out to the warning track. I think he lined out twice, actually, last night. And then Soto struck out. Nelson Cruz struck out. So, you know, no outs after, after the Kim double and you can't bring them in. Like, little things like that. It's a common theme. You know, I'm not going to sit here and be surprised about this stuff because we've been seeing it now for, what, the whole season? Um, I was about to say, like, the last couple weeks. But, I mean, just look at the average overall as a team this season with runners in scoring position. Like, you don't get that average by just having a crappy couple weeks. No, you, you get that by having a bad season so far with runners in scoring position. Worst in baseball. Is that correct that they've scored less runs than the Oakland A's? I don't really think that's true, is it? I saw something about that today. Fan graphs, I don't know if they're updated for today. I don't think they are, but we can look at the runs. Well, no. So, okay, so. I don't think this again, I don't think this is through today, but entering today, the Padres had 175 runs scored. That was fourth worst in baseball. The A's had 176 runs scored. So the A's had more runs scored than the Padres entering today. I think that's entering today. I mean, when you look at it like that, at the end of the day, like runs is what matters most, obviously. That is bad. So it's got to improve, and it didn't really improve this series. I mean, again, they won today, but they went one for 10 with runners in scoring position. And the home runs that they hit in this series, like for the most part, they were solo home runs. And, you know, Devers on, what was that, Friday night, his was multi-home run or multi-run home run. Um, Valdez yesterday was multiple runs. So, like, the Padres, they're just not getting guys on as well in front of these guys when they are going yard. And that's been frustrating, too. Because, like, if you're not going to go – if you're not going to come through with runners in scoring position and you're not going to come through with guys on base for, like, home runs, then, you know, even with, like, a runner on first home run, they're not really doing that. So, that's a bad combo because you're not getting the singles or the doubles – you know, to bring in guys, and then the home runs—it's—it's it's minimal damage for the opponent because it's like, all right, well, yeah, I gave a home run, but it was only one run. Now it's six to two instead of six one. Instead, you know, if they had runners on base, it would be maybe six five. I'm just throwing out numbers there, like run totals, but that's just how it feels right now for the Padres. Anything else from Saturday's game? I mean, before the game, so Adam Engel was designated for assignment. Azokar was activated after one rehab game, one. That just shows how desperate the Padres were to kind of try to fix this center field position as as early as you can because Grish, going to be here. Angle only had six at-bats, but I think it was pretty clear like he's not going to be the solution. You have Azokar who's a righty, Angle's a righty, Grish is a lefty. So like Grish is going to be here, gold gloves, all that. He's going to be here as over angle. You go with that because the Padres are more familiar with Jose Ocar and with angle, like the night before he just, you know, had, had, it was bases loaded, right? Bases loaded spot there in the fourth. And he swings at a three, one pitch with Mando on deck. Maybe that would have been ball four pops it up. And that, you know, sucked the, the life out of Petco on Friday. Um, and, he just wasn't taking advantage of, of the limited playing time that he got. There were some injuries that happened, right? The hamstring that he was dealing with. Maybe there was a calf issue too in spring training, but there was the hamstring issue that he was dealing with. So there was that. That's unfor- That was unfortunate for him. Didn't get to see him at the beginning of the year. Like that maybe would have been his opportunity with Tatis out, but he had the injuries, was rehabbing. Then he comes back, mid- limited playing time, does nothing didn't get a hit and so Mel and the Padres they were like yeah we're done Let, let's just bring in a if a sucks well angle was sucking too so might as well just go with a and a that one game I think he went two for four with El Paso so he came up and uh got the start on Saturday obviously Padre's lost but I, I was fine with them making that decision to DFA angle. I think a lot of other Padres fans uh would agree with that as well. I think they were fine with it too, especially what especially because of what happened on Friday. Like we all remember what just happened, right? Like the recency bias. Well what just happened was angle that was like the lasting memory of Friday's game, right? Um by the way, I thought th- I thought this was hilarious. After yesterday's loss, so Bob Nightingale He's on Twitter and he tweets out like Padres lose again. I'm paraphrasing Padres lose again. This is easily the most disappointing season in franchise history. And I'm like, dude, it's like, does he not realize that when he tweeted that it was May 20th, the season is not even close to being over right now. It's really disappointing, but you didn't say that. You just said, this is easily the most disappointing season in Padres franchise history and it's like well is it really going to be the most disappointing season if they turn it around and then they go win it all or something or even if if they make the postseason? obviously it wouldn't be the most disappointing season so yeah there's very high expectations and they're they're not meeting those right now but you know add in a couple words there add in so far most disappointing season not just most disappointing season in franchise history. I think that's taken a leap that is a little too far. I mean, there's a lot of time left in the season, you know, just relax. That's, that's, that was my reaction to that. That, that was funny. I laughed at that tweet actually. All right, let's get to Friday's game after this break here. Check out Gaglion Bro's famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gagleonbros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. Quick reminder here, so if you're just joining the show here live on YouTube, you can uh, click that link that is pinned up in the chat. If you want to join the show, feel free. You want to leave a super chat. If you don't want to join the show, make sure I get to your comment, your question. It supports the channel, and it helps me out to get to your comment, to get to your question. Cause there's over a hundred comments in there. And so I probably can't get to everyone. I will go into that, into the comments. Like I always do. I really, really value you guys, my audience. So, uh, I'll definitely get to you. Um, and even on like regular videos and all that, whenever you guys say something, you know, you reply, I always try to either leave a thumbs up or reply to you, uh, because we're a community, you know, I'm not just, Speaking at you, I'm trying to speak with you, and hopefully you value that. All right, so Friday, Padres, they lost 6-1 to in this game. Man, Petko was depressed. I was there, and it was disappointing because, well, before this game, right, Manny goes on the IL with the left-hand fracture, the small fracture in his left hand. And then they have Brennan Dixon be called up. You have Blake Snell starting. And he ends up having, like, that first half Blake Snell start. The third inning sucked. Double walk, walk, double home run. Uh, four innings, six earned runs, five hits, two walks, five punch outs, and he gave up two bombs. Both to Rafael Devers, by the way. I think the first one was a solo home run, and then the next one, uh, that that one blew the game open. Um. So, yeah, the Manny news, obviously, that sucked. And then the, just the game, how it un- – how it unfolded that sucked and yeah, at at the end there obviously i stayed through the whole thing uh yeah there there was really like no energy there shouldn't be any energy because the padres aren't giving you any energy at least on friday like that's just how it played out i mean the fourth inning obviously is what we're going to remember here right Renner's in scoring position there's one out brennan dixon strikes out doesn't put the ball in play Then base is loaded. Adam Angle comes up before he got DFA'd the following day. Swings at a borderline 3-1 pitch. I was looking at the YouTube condensed game highlights, and it wasn't showing the Valley broadcast, but for that pitch, it was the Nesson broadcast, and it it lit up on the strike zone. So it showed that it was a strike, but then I, I asked on social media, on Twitter, when that happened, like, was that angle pitch a strike? And all the Padres fans were saying no. So it, it was a borderline pitch. That, that's what I get from it. It was a borderline pitch, the location. That's what I saw when I watched it back. Like, that was a borderline pitch. I'd prefer him not swinging at that pitch when Nando's on deck and you're at him angle. Um But I'd imagine if you were in the box in that spot, it's kind of hard to not swing there. Um just because you're trying to attack and you're trying to probably play for your spot, obviously, because he got DFA'd the day after. So I understand it. But, yeah, it was disappointing, obviously. Popping up there in that spot, they were already down after the bad third inning from Snell, and then when that happened, you know, that was your chance to really get back into the game. That happens, and it's like, all right, well, there goes another chance to maybe – come back into this lead, bite into this lead here, and couldn't do it. There's another loss. And after Friday, 2-10 and in their last 10 games. Uh, You know, with Snell, I thought he was good other than that that blow-up inning. Like, Rafael Devers, he's a really good hitter, and he's going to get you. Like, that's going to happen. But it's the third inning where it's like, all right, the walks. Two walks in that inning the doubles, right? The the gappers. And then was it a hanger or was it a fat? I forget what pitch it was to Devers, but hit it to center. And it's like, well, that unraveled really, really quickly. So yeah, the results were disappointing from snow, but I've been encouraged for the most part from what I've seen from Blake. Um, I think that he's turned into the second half Blake snow, or at least, kind of, we've seen part of the second app, Blake snow earlier than expected. So I'm taking that into account and you know, I'm, I'm trying to take the positives from Blake there, but yeah, I mean, I can't, I'm not going to, I can't focus totally on Blake here. I know he put the Padres in a hole and Musgrove put the Padres in a hole yesterday as well, but Friday they scored one run yesterday. They scored two runs. Like, Regardless of who you're playing, it's kind of hard to win games when you're scoring one run or two runs. That leaves zero error, zero room for error for the pitching. And there was error in these starting pitchers on Friday and Saturday with, with Snell and Musgrove. And so Padres weren't able to win those games. Um, you know, opportunities to come through, and they didn't. So let's add this up. Runners in scoring position this series for the Padres. 0 for 3 in the first game. And then what I say 1 for 17 the last two or 1 for 1 for 16 I think. 1 for 16 then 0 for 3. So 1 for 19 in the series with runners in scoring position. Same trend, same trend as we've been used to now for what? The year I don't know when it's going to turn around. Hopefully it can turn around in this road trip through Washington, New York, Miami, but there's definitely no guarantees. And, you know, Manny going on the I.O. Let's talk about that for a moment. Like Manny, because I, this was on Friday. So it was a while ago in terms of like baseball terms, because a lot has happened this weekend with the Padres. Right. Um, I thought it was the right decision. But now, like it puts more pressure, I think, on Bogarts and Soto and Crony and Tatis, right? The big guys. There was pressure on Manny, and I think a lot of Padres fans, like, if you had to put the the, the blame on like one guy, and I know that's not what you do in baseball, but if you had to, we were pointing to Manny because he's he bad. He's been bad to start the year offensively. Just has not been the Manny that we're used to and the Manny that we love. Right. And so we were pointing the blame there, but now with Manny going on the IL, we're not looking at Manny. We're looking at Soto. We're looking at Bogarts. We're looking at Crony. We're looking at Tatis. We'll be looking at the bottom of the lineup too, but heavy as the head that wears the crown and the crown more like, you know, money uh, they're getting paid the most. Uh, they're at the top of the lineup. They have the all-star appearances you got to be looking at those guys. So when they're going to start hitting better, you know, consistently, I I mean, the offense is going to turn it around. I I think I'm not a big believer in momentum or stuff like that in baseball, just because baseball is different than other sports. But if they start going, then that's going to probably give the bottom of the lineup a little bit better pit. I mean, the bottom of the lineup is probably still getting good pitches. Like, that's the problem. Dixon popped up the other day, right? That ball was right down the middle, I think, to end last night's game. So they're getting good pitches still. So I guess I can't even go with that argument. Um, I don't know, the mojo. Like, I just don't really believe in momentum that much in baseball. But if the, the top of the lineup can start hitting better, there's going to be better results. Because even if the bottom of the lineup struggles – the top of the lineup will be scoring some runs there. Um, I, I don't have any solutions other than them playing better because I'm not a hitting coach. I I don't know. I don't. I don't have the the information. I probably. I mean, I could look it up, but I don't know what information that the Padres' hitting coaches or hitting instructors or analytics people. I don't know what specifically they look at. Uh, I'm sure the players are looking at a lot of film and stuff, but I'm not a hitting coach. i'm I'm not someone that's gonna be able to sit there and know exactly what to look for in a hitter swing and all that. like all right, here's the fix. here's the fix. Bogarts or here's the fix, Soto or whatever. whoever doesn't matter who it is. Um, here's the fix, player X. like I don't know. It's just play better. like because we believe in the talent we've seen it before. And it's just not happening right now. So hopefully that makes sense. If it didn't, I, I know I rambled there a little bit, you know, with, with the hitting coaches stuff and all that. Like, at the end of the day, like, the fans here, right, I, I think I can speak for the fans. Like, we just expect more from these guys, and we don't care how it happens or what changes need to be made to have it happen. Like, just just do it. Because fans are spending a lot of money. They have more sellouts at Peco Park this year than wins. And I think fans are tired of that. They're they're tired of seeing that. Because we're doing our part. And the players, the offense, not doing theirs right now. Seven through nine hitters on Friday went over seven. The six through nine spots, I was reading this on Kevin Acy's newsletter. Uh, I think that was on Saturday morning. Hitting one thirty-one with a two thirty-nine on base percentage in the twelve ga- the past twelve games entering Saturday, Padres are two. There were two and ten uh, in the last twelve entering Saturday. So in the last fourteen, they're three three and eleven. That's not the Padres that we expected, right? Like they can play better than this. We know that the players know that the staff knows that. When is it going to happen? We don't know. That's that's like the great mystery, right? Getting back to Manny, like I thought it was the, the right decision. Um, I know I kind of went from Manny to just the offense and needing to be better. But getting back to Manny, like I thought it was the right decision. It's a long season. Last year, the Padres allowed him to not go on the I.O. when he probably should have. This year, it's different. It wasn't a sprain. It was a fracture. And there was pain there. And they were wasting a roster spot. I know it's Brandon Dixon, but still it's a roster spot. I'd rather have that roster spot go to someone that's healthy than to Manny to waste the roster spot for five, six days and then maybe come back one or two days before the 10 days would have been up anyway. Like, no, just take the extra time. We need Manny to be healthy. And I think right now, especially like it's not like Manny's torching pitching right like he's not even playing well offensively so it just made i think it just made more sense than last year to put him on the il uh this time around with the fracture him not playing well it just needed to happen so i I was fine with it i think think manny he he kind of agreed too. like that's that's what he was telling the media like yeah makes it makes more sense pretty much is what he was saying. Like yeah, it makes more sense this year for me to go or make it makes sense at this time for me to go on the IL. I realize that it's probably best for that roster spot to be open. And so that's what's happening. All right. Let's get to the chat here after a break. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's underdog fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pickup games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy. And it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes or if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy to use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code, Friars, and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right, let's get to the chat. There's a lot of comments here. So I probably won't be able to get to everyone. But if you want to make sure I get to you, obviously use that super chat button. Or you can join the show. Give your own thoughts. You can vent about this offense or praise whoever you want. If someone deserves praise. I mean, today we're does. Michael Waka does. I think the bullpen does for the for the most part. Raul says a much needed win. LFGSD. Eric says, Ben, why does Melvin always switch the order of the lineup? I see this pattern in Major League Baseball teams as well. Does it make sense to develop consistency? Um, well, with Manny out. And just matchups, like, the lineup is going to change. But, yeah, I, I have noticed that as well this season. Like, the lineup hasn't really been that consistent. But with Melvin, like, we know that he's superstitious. Maybe sometimes superstitious to a fault where he's just changing things up, like, almost every day just because, well, the last night's lineup didn't work, so let's see what happens this night. Um, you know, Soto's hit fourth for the most part, it feels like, right, the last couple weeks. Tatis has hit leadoff for the most part. But there's been times where they've switched him to the three spot. By the way, Tatis in the, re- in, in the three hole, I would be fine with. I would be open to having Fernando hit in the three hole because there is that chance that Xander Bogarts gets on base if he leads off or Jake Cronaworth. Or Hassan Kim can get on base if they hit second. And Tatis, like, he's one of the better home run hitters right now on the Padres team. There's not a lot of them. He's one of them. And it feels like all of his home runs are solo home runs. And it's it's minimal damage to that opposing pitching staff. And the way that the starting pitching is going right now, you know, sometimes they're down three-nothing. And a solo homer from Tatis makes it what, three-one? Or it's 4-1, right, after the Soto home run the other day. I think that's what the score was. And Tatis homers, and okay, it's 4-2. You're down two runs, though. And maybe if Crony and Bogarts got on in front, home run happens. Maybe it's a tie game. You know, stuff like that. So I would be fine with Tatis hitting third. I feel like Melvin likes having Tatis lead off, though, like just as that instant spark in the lineup. But when the lineup isn't scoring a lot of runs, and we can't trust the bottom of the order to get on base in front of Fernando, right? I think it doesn't hurt to try Nando hitting third and at least having a chance in that first inning to have a couple guys on base in front of him for a a big punch to start off the game, if that makes sense, you know? I'd be open to it. We'll see, we'll see what that lineup looks like in Washington. Um, but yeah, like, when Manny comes back, I'd, I'd be fine with seeing a lineup of Bogarts, Manny hitting second, Tatis hitting third, Soto hitting fourth. I know Soto's having good numbers hitting fourth, having Tatis hit third maybe, or have Tatis hit second even with Bogarts leading off. Because I think Tatis is more of a power threat home run-wise than Xander. You can have Manny hit third behind Tatis. Tatis can maybe get on base for him make some things happen on the base paths, get in scoring position for Manny or Soto coming up. Like, I would like that. I know that that's like three righties in a row, and most managers in Major League Baseball don't really like that right now, right? You don't want to create a lane later in the game for a right-handed reliever, a right-hand specialist, right, late in games. But these are superstar players. Like, right? this isn't the bottom of the lineup, seven, eight, nine. These are superstars. They should be able to hit pretty much any pitcher in baseball at some point in time. Like they're not always going to do it, but one of them should be able to do it, right? So, I think with the superstars, don't I don't think he should really look at, oh, well, don't let, let's not put Soto fourth because then there's going to be three righties here when Manny comes back. I think that he should just look at what's the best way to produce some runs here produce maximize the amount of runs with these like four guys and I think Tatis hitting second or third would maybe be better than him leading off I'm curious to see what you all think of that let me know but yeah good good point by Eric i um, just going through the chat here. JD's third says the Padres will finish the season below 500. That's my prediction. It's tragic and sad. Well, JD's third, just like Matt did. I think it was Matt, right? He bet me 50 bucks that the Padres weren't going to get to over 500 again this year. You want that? You want to do that too? Because That'll be another free 50 bucks for me. Yeah, I agree, WK. Sale is a beast when healthy. I mean, that's what we saw last night. He he was really good. Gil says, trade Soto, Nola, Kim, Grisham, Hader, Snell, all in separate deals. Restructure the team. Junior GM. Well... Who's going to want Austin Nola one and Hater is like your best reliever. So I don't, when you're going all in, like that doesn't make sense. You're going all in trading Soto. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, And you trade Grisham. Okay. But like, what are you going to get back? Cause I don't think Grisham's value is super strong right now. JD's Third says, Kluber made us look like World Series champs. Well, here's the thing. Like like I said earlier, we didn't really do much. The Padres didn't do a whole lot against Corey Kluber. It was just them taking the walks. And then Odor came up with the hit in the first inning, right? Uh, San Diego TV Watcher says, Talking for Hours, huge fan, and wanted to thank you for your coverage. I see all the national articles because you linked them in Twitter. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. The Beef says, I think this is a good turning point. Hopefully, if we can be riding high going into playing the Nationals, we can go on a run. Hoping we righted the ship today. Well, it's one game. You know, there's been plenty of times this year, right, where they've won one game and we're like, oh, okay, maybe this is the turning point. That was a good offensive performance. But then what happens after that? You know, again, they won 7-0 today, but what I would look at is the ball score, runners in scoring position. They went 1 for 10. You know, that's not very encouraging. They went, what, 1 for, what did I say, 1 for 19 or something like that, this series with runners in scoring position. So it's not, I don't think right the ship. I don't think we we haven't done that. You know, they, they still lost this series. They still have not won a series. Let, let's win a series before we start thinking about oh, well, maybe they maybe we've righted the ship. I think they they benefited from Cory Kluber just sucking today. Mike says, Darvish and Musgrove are humans, so what if they have an off or bad year this year? If one of them does it's over, we have no other starters. Well, Preller can still go acquire starters. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, well, go look around baseball. If Garrett Cole has a bad year, what's going to happen to the Yankees? I mean, you could say that with them. What if Verlander and Scherzer continue to suck? What's going to happen there? Well, it's not going to be successful for the Mets. I'll tell you that that's just what it is in baseball. You can't have five great starters. Walker's pitching well right now. Lugo has been pretty good. Uh, I believe in Darvish and Musgrove and Snell second half Snell. We know what second half Snell can be. And, And Preller can go get other starters. Nick Martinez could come in the rotation. Ryan Weathers could be in the rotation at some point, like, there, there's still some options there. I don't think the, the rotation is in a terrible spot. It's just, you know, they had the shoulder of the load a lot. And so they haven't been able to continue to do it all the way through the rotation recently. Uh, JD's third. Do we honestly think Waka and Lugo will pitch this good the rest of the season? Waka, I mean, he's not going to pitch this good. He, like he, He's going to give up runs. But I think he could still be a quality starter for the Padres the rest of the year. Yeah. And Lugo, I think he could pitch good the rest of the year. I don't know about in the rotation. Um, obviously, he sucked in that second inning that he pitched, and he's on the IL now. So, Weathers is up. Um, but before that, he had pitched, pitched pretty good for the Padres this year. I think he can be an impact player for this Padres team, impact pitcher. I don't know if that's going to be in the rotation or if that's going to be in the bullpen. I think come the playoffs, hoping that the Padres obviously make the playoffs, I think the bullpen's the best spot. I think that's where you'll find him giving the most value to the Padres. But yeah, I, I think Lugo will pitch good in the bullpen uh, when that time comes because I think it's going to come. I At this point, I don't see Lugo being a, a starting – or a starting pitcher the Potters rely on in the postseason. season. Uh, I think right now you're looking at Musgrove, Darvish, Snell, Waka. They could go get Corbin Burns or something, but obviously we can only talk about the guys that are in the rotation right now. Yeah. De- good question, Devin. He asked, what do you think of the Kevin Ploiecki signing? So, yeah, the Padres, they made this move. You know, they there was that roster spot cleared up, right? And Ploecki, I think it's just a hope move, if that makes sense. Let's hope that he can be a better catcher than Brett Sullivan. Let's hope that he can kind of be like Nomar Mazara a little bit, play well. Hopefully continue playing well, but play well elevate this catching position at least offensively a little bit if he comes up to the big league level and you'll just hope that you can get something out of him Uh, it's obviously a low risk deal it's a minor league deal you just hope that you can get something out of him Um, another depth move maybe they just plan on having Sullivan be at the big league level and not have Ploiecki come up and they just signed Ploiecki because Severino opted out and so they were like we need Let's just get another catcher in El Paso in case an injury happens or something. Uh, Puecki, he's a veteran. He has a ton of years of experience, but he's not like this great offensive catcher. He did homer today for El Paso in his second game, so they're getting him right into those El Paso games, which is good. I don't know if we should expect him to come up soon. Maybe we should just based on the catching position right now. But maybe the Padres they want to give because I, Nola's not going anywhere. I'd be surprised if he does soon. Uh, and Sullivan, maybe the Padres want to give him a little bit more time before saying, "All right, go back to the minors. Let's let's bring Kevin Plawecki up." But look, the Padres they're 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 waiting for Luis Camposano, or they're waiting till the trade deadline when teams know if they're buyers or if they're sellers, right? Because the teams. That are sellers, if they have catchers, then the Padres will be in that market, obviously. But right now, it's May 21st, teams aren't going to go be selling off their catchers right at this time. I think there's still more of an evaluation period going on, a longer evaluation period, if that makes sense. JD's third, all caps. We will and cannot turn this dumpster fire around. All right, then. T- then put the money where your mouth is, huh? Tatis, by the way, I'm seeing some Tatis stuff here in the comments. It's just making me immediately think, like, man, he's he's looking good in right field. He uh, made that running catch the other day. He's. He's made some catches at the warning track. I think he made one today. He's he's getting comfortable out there, throwing guys out. Yeah. So the beef I see here in the comments: Suarez throwing tomorrow. Hope he's back by July or August. I don't know when the what the timeline really is for Robert Suarez right now. But there were some injury updates that Bob Melvin gave. So Suarez is going to throw like an actual baseball. Tomorrow, more Hone. I saw something in the comments. More Hone rehab starting on Tuesday, Gil says, at Lake Elsinore. So that's good. But I'm not expecting more Hone to come back soon because they probably want him to get built up to multiple innings, kind of like Brent Honeywell or Nick Martinez. They don't want him to just be a one-inning guy. Like There's guys that can fill that. And he could still fill it at the big league level, but they probably want him to have the ability to pitch multiple innings when he gets there, not just be a one-inning guy. Um, I think there was another update. I think it might have been on Azokar, and that was before he got brought up. It was Azokar going to start a rehab assignment. Then he played that one game and then got called up uh, because the Padres were done with Adam Angle after Friday night. Um, there's a ton of comments in here just you guys interacting together so and I love that I just I'm just trying to get to comments that maybe you're saying something to me or questions or something that I wanted to address Devin says, Snell is the most bizarre pitcher I've ever seen in my lifetime. First half woes, second half triumphs. It's kind of all or nothing with Snell and Grisham. Wish both were more consistent. Yeah, I mean, we all wish they were more consistent, but baseball is a hard game. Snell sometimes gets in his head. It's been the track record, you know, the first half of the season, second half of the season. Those are like two different pitchers. Trent Grisham, on the other hand, he's just striking out too much, man. He's just striking out too much. I love his glove and center. He he gets great jumps on the ball, but at the plate, man, he is frustrating. Cause it feels like when he goes up, he goes up to the plate. Like he has the potential to hit a bomb, but sometimes it just feels like he's lost up there, you know? Gil says Tatis is our future center fielder. Maybe. I mean, he's looking really comfortable out there. I wouldn't be surprised. I was telling one of the season ticket holders I sit next to, I wouldn't be surprised if Tatis wins the gold glove this year in right field. I know he's not going to play as many games in right field as some other guys just because he had that suspension. But Mookie Betts, he's not playing as much right field. And Bryce Harper, he's not playing right field because of the injury. So those are two stars that might not have as good of an opportunity to get that Gold Glove as Tatis will. And the Gold Glove, the Gold Glove is voted on by the players and coaches, right? Is that that's not a a writer award, right? Who votes for Gold glove managers and coaches so i mean if tatis keeps throwing guys out and he's making catches at the warning track in the corner stuff like that i mean these players will see that and be like well tatis deserves it look at this guy like he's the total package defensively look at how much of an athlete he is that's not the gold glove guy then who is in the who is is acuna playing right field? If Acuna is, then that would probably be some competition. But I thought he might have been in center field. I'm looking up his splits right now to see how many games he has in each position. Let's see here. Oh, okay. So no, he's only playing right field. Okay. Well, maybe Acuna is, I mean, he's on track to go, you know, win the MVP this year. So maybe he ends up taking the the gold glove, but Tatis will be up there. Uh, He'll be a nominee. I would think if he stays healthy. CBS121 says, watch this team in five years. Going to be horrific watching old Manny and Bogarts. Relax. Five years, that's it. All the way, already halfway, only halfway through those contracts, you're going to be saying, oh, old Manny and Bogarts, come on. I'm looking on Baseball Savant right now at Tatis's defense, like just seeing where the percentiles are. I mean, you look at Tatisa's baseball reference page. There's a ton of red there. Like, you know, he's off to a good start. Outs above average is great, 93rd percentile. Outfield jump is the best that you can be. It's the 100th percentile. Arm strength, 99th percentile. Sprint speed, 98th percentile. I mean, he's been, he's, the numbers there are really good defensively. The only blue just as a player. The walk rate, obviously, we know he's aggressive. He's chasing. There is swing and miss there. But that's who Tatis is. He's aggressive. And he's he's played so far as one of the best, like one of the best players on the Padres. I know he's been part of the problem, too, offensively. You know, with runners in scoring position, whenever he does come up, usually he's on base, though. Usually he's the one that gets on base and isn't brought in. Devin says, Manny tends to be slow in the first half, first month, excuse me. First month and a half. It shouldn't be a surprise to many of us. I understand we want him to perform better, but he's human just like the rest of us. I don't I don't even know what the slow start thing, what we should make of that when players say that or when the stats show that. Because you are just going in there facing major league pitching. Like it's you're just reacting to the major league pitching. Like what's with the sl- I don't even know what to take from the slow starts. Like why do guys get off to slow starts takes time to adjust. It's what do you mean? The first time you face guys, maybe, but guys that you've already faced in your career. I don't know if that really makes sense to go with the slow start thing. I think it's just struggling to start the season. You're just, and we look at the slow starts with players because it's a small sample size and that's just his numbers. So if you get off to a bad 20-game start, it looks worse than a 20-game slump in July because there's the big sample size in July. The only sample size is you struggling through the first you know 20 games or whatever, if that makes sense. So really, maybe it's just like part of the slump of the season, right? It's just happening at the beginning of the year. Um, Why isn't Soto batting leadoff? Well, yeah, I guess he doesn't like batting leadoff. Now, maybe Melvin should just say, well, I don't really care, dude. You're under contract. I'm the manager. Go bat leadoff. But I think he wants to start players to feel comfortable where they are. And Soto likes seeing pitches. We know that. And so if he's not comfortable leading off, then, you know, Melvin probably is going to listen to Soto and say, yeah, probably shouldn't bat him lead off then. Because he'll walk in the third or the fourth spot anyway, as well. So I definitely understand, like, yeah, put a lead off. Like he'll walk. You can get a guy on base for Tatis or Bogarts or Manny when he comes back or Crony or whoever. But like Soto has said, yeah, don't like I don't like batting lead off. just like Bogarts didn't he say at the beginning of the year he doesn't like batting second, and these star players whether you like it or not, like the manager is going to listen to them more than Brandon Dixon. Um, let's see here. JD's Third says, Ben, I will bet you we will not have a winning season. Yeah, I'll bet you that. Yeah. I'll bet you 50 bucks that we'll have a winning season. I think we will. So I'm going to get 100 bucks from you and Matt combined, huh? I'll take that. Sounds good to me. Continuing to go through the chat here. Gil says the season is already a huge disappointment. Well, so far it is, but the season's not over. The season, you know, the book on the season hasn't been fully written. So it's, for me, it's not the most disappointing season in Padres history because the season isn't, it hasn't played out. It's the most disappointing start to a season in Padres history, probably because of the expectations and how they're under 500, right? What, five games under 500? But the way Bob Nightingale tweeted it the other day, like, this is the most disappointing season in franchise history. It's like, you're making it seem like the season's over, Bob, and it's not. It's May. Devin asks, uh, should it, should the Padres go after Aaron Hicks, Was deified by the Yankees? I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to having him go play in El Paso just as, like, a depth guy, but I'm not giving him a major league contract. I'd rather just go with the Azokar and Grish, to be honest. Like, Aaron Hicks, man, he's fallen off. And I think for him to, ex- you know, excel... I think it kind of has to be like Joey Gallo where he has to get that like consistent playing time. He wouldn't be getting that on the Padres. You got Tatis in right. You got Soto in left. You're going to put Aaron Hicks in center like every day. I don't think so. And offensively this year, I mean, look at his numbers, right? Let me look them up here real quick. You can look at his baseball savant, savant numbers first. I mean, Exit velocity, 19th percentile. He's not getting good jumps in the outfield. Sprint speed, nothing special. Um, what is he hitting this year? He's hitting 188. 28 games. So, like, he's not getting everyday playing time. One home run. Seven walks, 20 strikeouts. What's his strikeout rate? Twenty point six percent, down from last year. I I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm not sold on giving him a, a major league contract. I don't think the Padres need Aaron Hicks. If that's the route he only wants to go, I'd be fine with him at El Paso. That doesn't do us any damage. And Preller does. Like bringing in veterans, obviously, as we've seen. Now, Hicks is not a Ranger. So maybe that will hurt his odds of coming. Jim asks, any word on possible trades? I haven't heard anything. Look, it's it's May 21st, so... I don't think that teams are, you know, really itching to make moves because they're still in that evaluation period. Are we gonna be buyers? Are we gonna be sellers? Or just look at it from the individual player standpoint. Like, do we believe that this guy can be a part of our future? There maybe they're still in that evaluation period. So I don't I don't think that you're going to see the Padres make trades right now. Like, I think it's, like, this is the roster. They want to see how this plays out here. You know, more of a sample size. I know it's a good sample size here, but let this roster play out more towards the trade deadline, and then when you have to make moves, then you make moves. Because that's the smartest time to make moves if you're looking at it from like AJ Preller's point of view, because you spent all these, all of Siler's resources with this team, you want to make the best informed decision here. The best informed decision is with the biggest sample size, right? Not, not through May 21st. All right, we got to go make a trade. Because things could turn around here in the next couple months here before the deadline. And then maybe you're sitting like, man, maybe we shouldn't have made that deal because now this player is performing really well, and this guy that you traded for, well, he got off to a hot start, and it wasn't really for real, if that makes sense. Captain Zeno says, lineup idea, Bogart's one, Azokar, okay, well, I already know, sorry. <laughs> Azokar, I'm sorry, Azokar hitting second, sorry, no. But he says Bogart's one, Azokar two, Soto three. Tatis, four. I mean, I want Tatis up in the first inning, so yeah, I don't like this. Machado, five. Cronauer sixth. Seventh, Carpenter Cruz. Kim, eight. Sullivan, nine. I'm fine with Bogarts leading off. Azokar, why would you have Azokar hit second and have Tatis not be guaranteed an at-bat in the first inning and have Machado hit fifth? Like I want those two guys higher than that, you know. Maybe sometimes Machado will hit fifth or one of them, but you got to have your big four hitting top four or at least top five, I would think, right? And in that spot, you are, you are having them hit five there: Bogart, Soto, Tatis, Machado there. But Azokar, like, get that, get that, get get him out of that two hole. That that doesn't make sense to me. All right, let's get to some other San Diego sports here. If you have any more comments and anything, just put it in the chat. I'll get to it. Uh, but there's, there was a good, a good amount of stuff happened around San Diego sports this weekend. I want to start with San Diego state and I'm not going to the basketball program or the football program. I'm going to the softball program. I mean, props to San Diego state softball. They won their regional, the UCLA regional, they won that. And so now they're moving on to the supers for the first time in program history. In game one, they beat Liberty 7-0. Callie Decker had a huge home run. Allie Light, their ace, four innings, one hit, no walks. Second game, yesterday, they won 6 nothing against Grand Canyon. And this was a weird regional because UCLA, obviously, the favorite. They lost night one to, to Grand Canyon. Then they lost to Liberty yesterday. So they were out in two games. And so that gave San Diego State the opportunity here to go move on and face Utah, which they're going to end up doing uh, in Utah, by the way, next weekend, Salt Lake City. So yeah, second game, 6 nothing win over Grand Canyon, a two-hit shutout from Sarah Lehman, uh, or two-hit shutout just from the pitching staff. Lehman, four innings, no hits, no walks, game three today, the Aztecs, they won the first two, so they had the luxury of having the opportunity to play a second game if they lost the first. Like They didn't have to win both games like Liberty did because they already beat Liberty. They were 2-0, but they took care of business. After getting down early, they ended up winning 6-3. to Decker, uh, Juliana Pe- uh, Perez, and A.J. Murphy, they all homered, Murphy had a huge home run, gave them, I believe, a 5-2 lead at that point. Uh, Decker's home run, I think, tied it. Congratulations to State. I mean, last year, I believe they were playing in Arizona State, that regional, didn't get out of that. This year, though, and and look, some will say, well, Ben, UCLA lost. They weren't going to win if UCLA played San Diego State. but." UCLA had their chances. They lost both games. And so San Diego State, they can't control that. They didn't play UCLA. Whatever. I mean, they're not going to apologize. They won. And so now they get to go play uh, against Utah in the Supers next weekend. So congratulations to them. Allie Light, man, she has had one heck of a year. Pitched pretty well for them. Uh, Today... I believe she gave up what three runs, and then they had one other uh, reliever come in at the end to finish it. Uh, but yeah, congratulations to San—I mean, San Diego State. I know this is only two sports, but basketball going to the national championship game, which was just like something that's like a dream—not even a dream. You don't even dream about that because it's like that's possible you know it's possible because it's March Madness, but you don't really think it is, like, really, like, realistically. And then San Diego State, the softball program, they are able to make it out of the UCLA regional. I know they didn't play them, but they still made it out. And UCLA, I believe at one point this year, I remember earlier in the year, they were ranked number one in the nation, which it happened because Oklahoma – lost to Baylor early on in the year, and Oklahoma has not lost a game since. I mean, they are just – I mean, we thought last year's – some people thought last year's Oklahoma team was like the best team ever, you know, in Oklahoma history with Jocelyn and all that. I mean, this year, holy cow, they they are unbeatable right now. Um, They easily – I think they easily won their regional – But UCLA, they were ranked one because Oklahoma lost. Oklahoma then smashed them. Uh, I think they won like 16 or 17 to nothing or 17 to one, something, something crazy early in the year before conference play. So Oklahoma was put back to one, UCLA two, and UCLA has fallen since then, I guess. So congratulations to San Diego State. I wanted to hit on them, give them some love there. And now going to the San Diego Loyal, they had a match this weekend. It was on the road in Florida against Miami FC. And this is kind of what happens. Like, there's an MLS team in Miami, Inter-Miami, right? But there's also this USL team, and you look at the stands. The game is on television. There was no one there. And I think with the San Diego Loyal, there will be people there when the MLS starts in 2025. But the MLS team is going to get more attention. So, look, it's unfortunate. I've already said a bunch of times, like, I wish it, the Loyal was the team name, but I'm just Team San Diego. I'm going to continue rooting for the Loyal. I'm going to continue rooting. Or I'm, I'm going to start rooting for the MLS team when they start playing in 2025. Like, I'm just Team San Diego. And hopefully both can end up coexisting. Um, and there's going to be some fans that might not pay as much attention to the loyal because of the MLS team. And that's understandable because the MLS team's going to get more coverage, I I would imagine. And I don't think soccer, to be honest, gets enough coverage in the city, like from a sports radio perspective. Um, I know the Padres are king and they should be, but like, I don't think the wave get enough coverage. Um, and that, that's part of the reason why I'm doing this. Like I don't have a sports radio show here in San Diego. This is kind of, this is my show. So, uh, and I have, I have a passion for these teams. So I'm going to talk about it at the end of shows. Um, but yeah, I, I think the loyal, they're not going to get as much attention, which stinks because of everything that they have built, but you know, money talks. And again, Mohammed Mansour spent $500 million for the expansion fees. So, he can do what he wants with the team, and he wants it to be his team, his name, his colors, all that, and it's understandable. I, I, If I was him, I mean, Landon Donovan with the Loyal, like, wouldn't you want that name associated with your franchise because of all the success Landon had in the MLS? I mean, you want to grow your franchise and get off to a really good start? I know they brought in Manny, but he that he he's not a player, he's not a coach, he's not a president of the organization. He's not going to be really involved. He's just a part owner just to be part owner really. I mean, he'll help with the right to dream stuff, but he's not going to be like heavily invested. The MLS season happens at the same time as the Padres season does, right? Anyway, um I feel like every time I talk about the loyal I'm going to bring up them not being the MLS team, but getting to their match. So they, they won, excuse me. They won three to two on Saturday. They're now third in the West. Six, three and two uh, is their regular season record. I believe Uh, Elliot Collier. He had the game winner in the 85th minute. It was kind of weird. There was own goals. Multiple. There was an own goal for San Diego, like San Diego, giving Miami a goal. There was, Obviously, Miami giving San Diego a goal. And then uh, in the 85th minute, there was that one-timer there from Collier to to win it. And uh, there, I loved seeing the San Diego Loyal social media because they're doing those watch parties. I was at Snapdragon for the MLS Kick It party event, which was great. And I'll get to that here in a second. But, yeah, like the social media – that was showing the watch parties and how pumped up they were for that goal. That was cool. Uh, And wishing obviously the loyal, all the success this year and, and beyond. Um, But yeah, the, to get to the, the party, the MLS kick it party. So I was there and had my mom and my sister and we went like an hour and a half early. And I was like, all right, well, we're going to be like the first in line. You know, there's no game going on well there was like 50 people in front of us so like there's interest in this team and by the time the gates opened the line had wrapped around the the stadium pretty much uh, well the, the the east side of the stadium where the gates were opening um, thousands of people showed up great atmosphere people were excited. They handed out the scarves, got a scarf. Um, I saw that video uh, on social media of, I think it was Cody Martinez, right? The the chairman of Saquon, kind of going through the chants with some of the San Diego fans. So, yeah, it it was – I thought that they were going to – I don't know if people – if some of those, the like head people for the organization spoke at the event, but pretty much was like we walked in, there was an opportunity to write a message on the MLS um, San Diego MLS, like board that they had there. Like, what do you want the club to be? And so I was actually on television doing that. Um, I, I believe I wrote community and loyalty. Like that's what I want the club to, to be about obviously winning, but like care about the community and stay here, care about San Diego. Like, I think that's super, super important. Um, and then, could walk around and there was the free food, free drink, uh, music playing. That was pretty much what the event was. Um, so yeah, it was good. And then the San Diego wave, what a win. I mean, so they were three and three right after the Washington spirit loss. And there were some things that the wave had to, to, to clean up, you know, defensively the Orlando game before the Washington game, then the Washington game, like, It was not as crisp as as Casey Stoney wanted it, obviously, right? But they fixed it. They have come back and won two games in a row. They beat Houston last night 3-0. And right out of the gate, Alex Morgan scores her quickest goal in, I think, NWSL, in her NWSL career. It was in the second minute. It was a bad pass by Houston. They tried to pass it back to to the keeper, and the keeper came out. Morgan went and sprinted, got the deflection, and she didn't shoot it. It was just off the deflection for a goal, and you'll take it, obviously. And so, you know, she, that started it. Sheridan had another good clean sheet. That was, I think, her 25th of her, of her career. Um, the defense has been better. It, it's been better since that Washington match. It really, really has. Uh, Sierra and Gate, Congratulations to her. I think it was last week she had her first NWSL start, I want to say. She scored 58th minute. Uh it was a one-timer, the assist from Sophia Jakobsen and then the highlight of the match, maybe the highlight of the se- the season so far for like Diehard Wave supporters. Um the Madison Pogart's goal. I mean, <laughs> the the 79th minute. So, for anyone that doesn't know, Pogart she's never scored a goal before entering last night. She's a defender, not someone that's going to you, you expect to score, right? But there was the corner, header from Morgan, Pogart gets it and then ends up slamming it into the back of the net uh from pretty far out and ends up scoring and she goes nuts. Like she blacked out. I saw on Instagram last night, like she, I guess she was, she had been really thinking about what she was going to do if she ever did score, but she just blacked out when that happened. Uh, so yeah, that, that, that's a, she was running around and Germa and Westfall were trying to keep up and get to her. And obviously Morgan was there. So yeah, the celebration was great, um, man. She's, she's, She's a great personality for sure. And it seems like the chemistry is great on that wave club. So it was a fun win. I mean, I was watching it uh, while I was in line for that MLS kick it event last night. And so, yeah, they got the win. And finally, finally, they get to come back home to play against the Portland Thorns. San Diego now with this win. They are tied at the top of the table. With 15 points, they're 5-3, and three, 15 points tied for first with the Washington Spirit. The Spirit lost to Orlando this weekend. Uh, I believe it was a one-goal loss for, for Washington. Uh, it was close, but a loss is a loss. And now the Wave, you know, after it, it was 3-3 three and three and things weren't looking great, I always thought they were going to turn it around, but they were dealing with injuries. The defense wasn't looking that great. But they've turned it around, and... Now they're five and three. Things were looking good. Taylor Korniak, she returned. It, it was late. It's not like she got a ton of playing time, but she returned, I think, in like the 87th minute. It was late in the match. She was returning from the, the abdominal injury. But it's good not just for the way, but for her chances for making the national team because she needs to get some playing time, I would imagine, for Vladko and to really get a good look at her. Uh, because she's been out for weeks. While Vlatko's had a chance to be looking at a lot of other players that are competing as well for the midfield spots. So it's an opportunity for her. And Turnbo was still out, right? Uh Dardy Howard, I think Van Egman was still out. So they were they had, they won this game again with some with some key players missing. Um so Portland, the next match on Friday, tickets are still available obviously, go to the waves website, or just go to their social media pages and you can get those tickets there. Um, and then there, the next match is going to be a challenge cup match. It's against the old rain. That is next, not this coming Wednesday, but the next the Wednesday after that. So that is on the 31st, May 31st against OL rain, um, $13 tickets. So go to my Twitter, my personal Twitter, Ben Fadden SD scroll down and there's a link click that link click my name when you're checking out it's discounted $13 tickets as little as $13 uh, for that match there all right any other San Diego sports stuff to get to Keisha Johnson he picked Arizona that came out over the weekend so congratulations to him for finding a spot I thought it was going to be USC but then. Uh, I think it was Warren Washington committed there, so keeshad kind of lost the chance to go there, or maybe he just didn't. You know that wasn't the best fit for him. Maybe he's going to get more playing time in Arizona. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. All right, where did I leave off on the chat? Because there there are new comments. Uh, Devin asks, how many years are left on Austin Nola's contract? That's a good question. Is it two? Austin Nola contract. Two more. Yeah. Two more years after this season. (laughs) Janie's third says, maybe the Padres can get some of the SDSU softball players. Yeah. They, they were hitting some bombs this weekend. Devin asked, do you think the batter clock affects the offense in some way? I think it does. Um, I think it, it did early in the year, but that you can't use that as an excuse now. Maybe like the first week. But yeah, you, def- you can't use that as an excuse now. You have to be used to it by now. All right. I think that's all the comments. Thank you, everyone, so much for the time. Episode 401 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. It was a pleasure. Uh, just quick reminder gaggleonbros.com is the website there. Great cheesesteaks and garlic fries. They're available at Peco Park and Snapdragon Stadium. tea.com. Click that link in the description for great San Diego sports swag. Underdog fantasy. Great place for pick them. I finally hit on mine got 75 bucks the other day. And then Seat Geek, Code Talking Friars, $20 off your order. That's gonna do it. I'll be back later in the week. Thank you everyone for the time. Have a great rest of your night. See ya.